Laying in the tall grass Wish I had a pilot and a podcast Wish I had a strong donkey that can haul ass And travel with portable speakers playing bars scats Wish I had a million dollars I wish I had a million albums I wish I had a million problems That way I couldn't pinpoint all one million outcomes I wish I found a genie lamp I wish them girls gave me them sugar like Beanie Man yeah. I wish I was a comedian Late night sitcom syndicated on TV land I wish this well had water in it These kids are stealing all my pennies Focused on my wealth You can help me wish But I would rather wish the help is like It's like I wish, I wish That every time we love and it feels just like this I wish, I wish That every time we do it it feels just like this I wish, I wish That every time we love and it feels just like this It feels just like this It feels I wish I had a time machine Hey, cats and kittens, and welcome to another episode of the Debrief. Pew, pew, pew. I have a sound effect that will go pew, 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 but I can't find it right now. <laughs> uh, today's episode um, is a long time coming. It was in the works already, but I saw that several of you suggested having Aaron Reed on when I put the call out on Patreon asking who you'd like to hear from. I met her on the Hill and really appreciated what she brought to what are oftentimes um, difficult and sometimes bad faith conversations about trans issues as they continue to be on the front edge for reasons of American politics. She's been tracking the hundreds of anti-trans bills that have come down the pike um, just this year alone, and it's only uh, mid-April. Uh, so if you're not following her on Twitter, I strongly recommend you do so, so you have a real sense of the scope and scale of these things. Um, and, you know, today's conversation took an, a little bit of an unexpected turn. I didn't expect to get caught up for quite so long and quite so early in the conversation on the trans sports ban stuff, but I do think that it's kind of fitting insofar as, that issue, I think, has been a harder one. It's been, it's been one that conservatives have focused on and what, precisely because I think it's one that it's harder for the left to defend. Um, for the simple reason that there is, whatever you think about it, there is a division in sports that is based on physical differences between the sexes as opposed to gender or any of the more cultural kinds of definitions of kind of like gender, gender identity. And that being the case, that makes it difficult for some, if you believe in the premise that on broadly speaking, obviously some people assigned male at birth are weaker than some people assigned women at birth, but that on the whole, there are some pretty significant physical advantages uh, or at least differences, shall we say between people depending on what their uh, sex is, that, that's why we have divided sports, so that uh, cis women can have a shot at competing among their own. So, so that being the case, what do you do? How do you um, allow trans women in particular to compete in a way that is fair? Is this all a moot point for people who are younger and it's not that competitive anyway? And why are we talking about this maybe on a middle, high, elementary, middle school, high school basis? At a certain point, you get to a more competitive place and scholarships and stuff are on the line. Does that matter? 
does that factor into the equation? What do we make of the Biden ban or, or the Biden prohibition against a national ban, but which is permissive of more local bans? What do you make of all of that? Do we all wish that we could focus on minimum wage and um, some of these issues that also disproportionately affect uh, trans people, by the way, like housing issues? Yes, I would say. But, you know, here we are. And I don't think these issues are going away anytime soon in terms of the way that conservatives have chosen to focus on this stuff. So one episode we're taking to, we took to kind of get into some of this. And I thought that Erin was a really good sport. I'm sure that she's exhausted by this sort of discourse, but a part of me really feels like if we just had it one good time without some of the tiptoeing around um, in the fear of being kind of characterized as um, a bad faith actor because of one's, I think, legitimate concerns about this very narrow aspect of the uh, trans rights debate, we could maybe get it over and done with. But I do appreciate Aaron joining me and trying to like start making our way down this road. So lots enough of me prattling on. Let's just get right into it. Karthik, what's on your mind tonight? What's up, Rhea? Hi, how you doing? I'm doing all right. What's on your mind tonight? Um, yeah, I uh, saw the video. Uh, I, I thought you did a good job with uh, Aaron, you know, uh, as always. Um, Thank you. Because uh, we were talking. Oh, I just wanted to, I guess, maybe uh, uh, applaud you or whatever. Because I'm sure, because I just thought you even like uh, making that video. Like, I'm sure you're going to get lots of hate for just like even like uh, uh, covering it, you know? So I thought it took some courage of you that probably uh, many people on YouTube wouldn't do. Well, I appreciate that. What do you what do you make of all of this? Um, well, I'm sure some of the stuff I'm going to say is going to be called hateful and transphobic. So I'm a little nervous about that. But besides that, um, do you think that there are some sports that like shouldn't be segregated based on sex? I don't know. I don't know that I know enough about uh, sports science um, physical, physical science or anything like that to say, I know, and this came up on the show that there's some sports where obviously women have, you know, since women have an advantage, like in, in, in gymnastics and certain other things where there's a skill level or maybe not even an advantage, but there's certain, there's certain skills that, you know, cis women tend to perform better at in gymna- gymnastics than cis men, you know, and things like that. But I've also heard people talk about in sports like uh, boxing or MMA, um, the sheer difference in strength causing, you know, women to be very disadvantaged uh, and potentially in danger. Uh, And I think at a much less competitive level, like I don't think it would have been a big deal for me to play on my school's high school soccer team. I mean, I'm not very good. (laughs) But in terms of like risk to me, I don't think that would have been an issue uh, if I if I were good or the other way around. If if there were a trans woman in, in my high school who wanted to play on the girls team, I don't think it would have been an issue. But I, I mean, I don't know. What do you think? Um, well, you know, there's definitely um, differences in men and women like, you know, like whether it's um, strength. Obviously, on average, you know, there are men that have lower testosterone, women that have more estrogen, of course. Um, but on average, men tend to be, you know, a bit stronger and um, faster. And it's not just that, obviously, the uh, lung capacity is a little different. And, you know, usually reaction times are different. Um, and, yeah, I'm sure in some sports, you know, it wouldn't matter. 
like whether like men or women compete against each other, or, you know, or it was like an oh, like everything was open, let's say. But I do feel like in combat sports and uh, also many other sports too, like basketball, soccer, tennis. Like I, I, I'm a huge tennis fan, so I follow tennis constantly, and it just seems like there's too much of a difference. Um, in at least in tennis, because that's the sport I know about the most, where it would be a very unfair advantage if um, trans women were to compete against uh, in in the uh, w- w- women's category. Yeah, I mean, my, my feeling is that, I mean, the and, and Aaron pushed back against this, but that people have tried to come up with something that makes sense. Like the Olympics folks have tried to come up with something that gets to the somatic nature of it, that roots it in the body. You know, the, if the idea being that male bodies assigned at birth and female bodies assigned at birth have differences that no one is trying to deny, how you want to characterize those differences and that there being some spectrum and intersex people notwithstanding, that there's differences that people are not trying to deny, which are the basis of us segregating sports then there is that also means that there's a world where because of hormonal interventions um you know hormonal transitions etc you could conceivably start to approximate the those kind of differences those kind of biological differences right and that's what the the olympics has tried to get to if your hormone levels are here and if you've been on the hormones for this amount of time and etc 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 then you can compete as a trans athlete in the uh, gender of your that, that you subscribe to you know and that seems to me I mean I can see a world where you'd have to adjust numbers over time and try to get a sense of it and maybe it's not a perfect science but that seems to me to be reasonable as well what do you think Karthik yeah obviously you know I'm sure that there are certain differences that can't or you know um, the differences uh, can be I guess what's the right term like uh, cut down on or adjusted but at least because I, I know a lot about tennis, like there's no like I know uh, Mar- 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 Marvel is really popular right now, but there's no uh, uh, conceivable reality where you know uh, no no Novak Djokovic, I'm sorry uh, Novak Djokovic, who's um, world number one, like let's say for whatever reason he came out as trans, you know there, there's no way of, like like reasonably conceivable that that that, that he that he would uh, lose a match and uh, competing against women in tennis. Um, and I'm sure you. Well, know. I mean, I actually don't know. I don't know what 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 his play would be like if he were a trans woman and actually transitioned and were at the hormone levels in terms of testosterone that the Olympics would require of him. I mean, maybe not. Maybe maybe not. I I actually don't know the answer to that, and I don't. I'm not sure that you do either. Right. the The idea wouldn't be. I mean, I think that sometimes this discourse gets a little problematic because people are presuming like. You know, he could just wake up one day, decide he was trans, you know, grow, grow his, grow his hair out, put a tennis skirt on and be like, I'm going to play Serena. But that's not the scenario that the Olympics contemplates or that would allow. The scenario is he comes out as trans. She then trans actually transitions. She's on hormones for a certain amount of time. Her testosterone levels come down to a level that's approximating a cis woman. There's all this testing and blah, blah, blah. And at that point, she competes. And maybe she's still better than 8 out of 10 tennis players. Maybe she's not. And that's, I think, the point that Aaron was making is that um, for all of the um, frustration or um, all of the uh, scandal around, um, what's her face, uh, 
Sorry, the the swimmer whose name is like the actress oh, uh, from the Leah Saint. Thomas. Leah Thomas. <laughs> Sorry, I'm always calling her Leah Thompson. Um, Leah Thomas, uh, that she doesn't actually have, you know, the highest scores, blah, 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 blah. And, but that's why I push back against Eric, Aaron as well, because it's like, just because, are we saying that it's okay for trans women to compete as long as they're not better than every cis woman? Because that seems like a standard that's based less on principle and more on optics. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought that that point you brought was actually pretty good. And I know that, and I think that the Leah Thomas is actually a good example to show that there is actually a big difference because I know when she competed uh, as a male, um, she was, I think, like ranked like 300 or, or um, 400 or something. But I think when she was competed as, as a woman, like she was like ranked really high, I think like in the top five or top three or something. So I just think that like, obviously I, I, I'm sure transitioning, you know, does, uh, you know, bring the differences closer, let's say, for a lot, lack of a better word. Um, but there's just I still think there's just too much of a difference. That's all. And um, and I, I and uh, and obviously m- many other women athletes have to say this too, like like Billie Jean King, Serena Williams, and Martina Navratilova, who's now being called a transphobe, unfortunately. But yeah, I just think that it would be really unfair to the um uh, uh cis women that that would be uh, uh, competing against them. Well, look, I, I certainly take that point, and I appreciate you calling in Karthik. Yeah, uh, good talk, Bree. All right. Keep the faith. Okay. Skipping, skipping, skipping. Uh, Jean, what's in your mind tonight, Jean? Uh, hey, Brianna. Hello. How are you? What's on your mind? Um, yeah, so it's, it's kind of interesting. I keep kind of seeing the same assumptions from cis people when they talk about um, transgender people. There's there's almost this assumption that like we're just playing a part and putting on a dress and think we're going to be a ringer in like women's leagues, but Mm -hmm. there's no like talk of like, at least if you're a trans person and you're doing trans healthcare, um, there's not a lot of talk about what that actually entails. Like to your point with the last caller, um, like it's highly variable um, based on the person, based on the age when you start hormone intervention. Um, like there are a lot of cases where um, trans women uh, are pretty on par with cis women. And I mean, it's also kind of a hard thing to judge in general because I mean, like you said previously, when you're competing at high levels, people tend to have, uh, I don't know what to say, like uh, aberrant uh, bodies anyway. Maybe mm-hmm. that's not the right word um but yeah there seems to just be this idea that absolutely every time a transitioning um person is going to have a uh, advantage in women's sports and it's just not true um at least not necessarily um like yeah i really take that point and i think that that's such an important thing to think about is the differences between someone who starts their transition relatively young and therefore might not have, you know, not not having gone through, uh, you know, traditional puberty, might not have some of those same advantages at all. Might not have grown as tall, might not have ever been as muscular, not, might not ever have developed the lung capacity and all those kinds of things. And I wonder, you know, I, I could see metrics that also take that into account. 
would people be as up in arms about the idea of trans women competing in sports if they were imagining, you know, Hunter Schaefer, someone who's like very young um, and who, you know, transitioned very early versus someone like Caitlyn Jenner, who we all knew as a male identifying super athlete before she transitioned. Totally. And I mean, I think a lot of, um, a lot of the discourses from like cis people who don't really care about trans issues normally. And they're kind mm-hmm. of just like, Oh, this is the topic du jour. I'm going to chime in. Um, and, uh, what am I trying to say? Um, like there's just doesn't seem to be a lot of like um, knowledge about like what this actually entails and what trans people are actually doing. And there seems to be a lot, um, I think a lot of people hold an unexamined um, belief in gender essentialism, that just men and women are inherently different. They're just completely different and no amount of um, medical interventions or identification uh, will there, there's basically nothing you can do to truly transition. Like no men can become women, no women can become men. Um, but I mean, if you actually start getting into it, this essentialist view of gender just starts to fall apart. Um, but I, I don't know, I kind of see people talking from, uh, f- from a place of like holding that belief without examining it deeply. Yeah, I mean, I think that's true, but I, I also got to say, Jean, there's a part of me that, okay, so even the even the distinction that you made between um, people who transition earlier versus later, um, it, it 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 acknowledges on some level that there, it, despite the fact that I think you're completely right that people imagine that there are a non, you know, a, a significant number of people who would transition and incur all of the social weight of that and all of the, you know, expense of that and all of, all of everything that goes into it just to get ahead in sports. Like the, the, that, that's a little bit of a, like a fantasy that that's going to be a meaningful, meaningful number of people mm. at the same time, other, you know, the counter argument is if, if it's just one person, are we supposed to be indifferent to that? Are we supposed to not care about that? And are we going to at least acknowledge that it would be unfair? Let's let's put, let's keep it centered on the um, instead of like the wrongness or rightness of the what the hypothetical trans person is doing the situation, the unfairness to the um, cis women competing in sports to have to contend with that. Because I do think that sometimes this conversation, for reasons that I understand, there isn't a kind of. Um, an unwillingness to engage in the hypothetical or a certain presumption of bad faith on the people who are arguing in the defense of kind of uh, women segregated is, you know, sex segregated sports. But I don't know that that does as good. It just, I think it does a disservice to the conversation. It almost feels like if there were an acknowledgement that there is a good reason to have um, sex segregated sports to protect the interests of, um, uh, female identified at birth competitors, yeah. then it, it wouldn't be quite as contentious a conversation or something. I don't know. What do you think? No, totally. Like I'm actually on board with that. There are clear cases where someone may have like an advantage um, in sports, but I think there's a difference between, there's a difference between um, engaging in sports in like good faith, or trying to be a ringer. And I mean, that's kind of a, 
a fantasy scenario. Um, I think the truth is we're trying really hard to fold nature into this existing human construct we've invented um, and trying to divide up the sexes and make it fair. I mean, ultimately, personally, I think what would be a lot more fair is maybe desegregating sports and um, having it be some sort of, I mean, I don't literally mean weight class, but some sort of tiered system of like uh, general like abilities being equal would make more sense. Um, would that yeah, end up with Le- Leah Thomas still competing with men? I'm a little unfamiliar. Who is Leah Thomas? She's she's the superstar swimmer that, you know, has become a focal point of a lot of this because she went from being like when when she identified as male, like ranked number 300, as Karthik was saying, to being one of the top like 20 female um, swimmers. Hmm. And so, like, I mean, if the point of this is that, you know, people who identify as female should be able to compete with women and use women's locker rooms and do all those kinds of things, well, doesn't well, the locker room issue is somewhat separate. So let's put that to the side for a second. But it, is it is it like what is the point of it all? If what we're saying is like she should end up competing with men anyway because her weight class or her hormone levels or whatever it is put her closer to the average male athlete than the average female athlete. Um, well, I think in my like hypothetical, like fantasy world where we're already on this like um, tiered system of like similar abilities, that wouldn't be so much an issue because she would be competing with someone who's um, competing with people that are at her her similar level, not necessarily competing with the top men or the top women, um, but maybe competing in a uh, ranking that uh, both women and men are kind of competing in a general area on. Um, yeah. But that's, that's the problem that in so many sports, the best woman is like, nowhere near competitive with very mediocre men. Mm. It, it brings me no joy to say this. <laughs> but, you know, the, the example that people always bring up is like, I don't know if this is real or apocryphal, but of some, like, high school soccer guy who, like, takes down the Olympic women's team or whatever, like some high school team, you know, some some competitive, you know, a good high school, you know, a good pre-professional probably men's team, but a boys team that is able to take down like a very, like the best women's team on the planet. And if that's the case, then basically any, like you're getting to a place where basically any trans woman is, if you're, if you're just really sorting it by like kind of basic physical ability, is going to end up still playing with the boys. And so then what is the point of all of this? You know? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, maybe, I guess I'd have to kind of like, look at records and kind of see like, is that really the case that in most sports, if there's going to be not a place for uh, trans women specifically, because they're beating all the women, but they're not um, competing with the men on a, on the professional level or whatever tier. No, for like, if this, like, if this is like middle school or whatever, and everyone's shitty, yeah, then I don't think it matters. Yeah. Then, then it's more of a, a, a social issue. You know, I, I, I identify as a girl and I want to play on the girls team. And like, this isn't, no one's competitive. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> like nothing matters. It's just high school. Like, I think that's a, that's a different kind of issue. And I, I would hope that communities 
looked out for the interests of all of the children and came to some kind of understanding where they were allowing trans girls to play on the team. Now, com- competing teams might see it, see it differently, but I don't know. They can cross that bridge and they get to it. I don't want to get in the weeds here. But I think what it really comes into focus is at this competitive level mm-hmm. where there's a lot of money and endorsement deals and all kinds of things in the line. And if someone like Serena Williams, which people in the chat I see saying, are saying like that, you know, there's no competition. She's the best woman in the world, you know, and if she's saying that she couldn't beat, you know, the 40th ranked man, male tennis player or whatever, then I take Serena Williams at her word. And then what does that mean for um, trans women tennis players? You know? Mm, yeah. Well, I think like if we're like returning to the real world and not my like hypothetical situation where we've gotten rid of uh sex segregated sports um like i think that like practically speaking trans athletes are so vanishingly rare that it would be something that needs to be addressed on a case-to-case basis with the um, goal of fairness in mind and the blanket bans on trans people competing in sports and legislating what trans people and um uh the groups that uh, oh God, what's the term? Like uh, FIFA or or whatever, the mm-hmm. groups that are administrating the competitive sports. Um, it's something case by case that they would have to kind of decide for themselves because it's so highly individualized. Yeah, I, f- I feel that. And I that resonated with me when Aaron said it. I will say the part of what she said next didn't resonate, resonate with me as much, which is this idea that the way it should be decided in an individual context is a kind of good faith self-identification because how you assess that, what constitutes good faith? I mean, it's highly subjective. Mm -hmm. Um, And who wants to be in the position of telling a trans person? Well, I I think you're like, you know, I I don't think you're really like that's, that's a lot like me, me maybe thinking this isn't fair to the system you're competing with is not quite the same thing as me wanting to say, I don't believe that you're really trans. And you know, I don't want those two things conflated. I'm happy to believe that, you know, like I fully believe you're trans, but it doesn't necessarily mean on the basis of your good faith identification as trans that I think that you should be permitted in a, a given league hypothetically. Right. Well, and I think like, Ultimately, it's something that, I mean, number one, th- we shouldn't be legislating. It's, that's pretty hard and fast and blatant bans. Um, but number two, it's, it's something that has to be decided on the level where they're playing. Like, it's not something we can, like, I, I get what you're saying. It's a sticky situation to get in. But I mean, the truth is, like, human variance is kind of, like, sticky and just doesn't, like, naturally fold into these um, constructs we're making. Um, So it's something that would kind of have to be case by case. And there's not really a a better way to do it, I don't think. Um, Jean, let me ask you this. hmm. I mean, how do you feel? I kind of offer this timidly up to Aaron because I know how it sounds. And I, I don't want, I'm not taking a position. I just felt like it was necessary for me to float it out there. Um. But, you know, we keep coming back to this idea that there are very few, this is, you know, there are very few of these cases. It comes up so rarely. Um, and also that this has become such a polarizing issue 
I think of outsized political relevance, not not trans issues broadly, but specifically the trans women in sports issue among all trans issues has taken up so much space and is being weaponized to advance all kinds of things that aren't in the interest of anybody, including trans folks. I wonder, like, it, at what point is it such a niche issue that affects so few people? And as, at what point is it such so far from the kind of existential rights issues like um, a right to housing or a right to health care, which are also disproportionately rights that trans people don't have? You know, the trans youth homelessness rate is extreme. And, you know, obviously the cost of transition and all of those things. Okay. If, if all that being said, at what point, do you think there was ever a point at which it is ethical to say something like, we're just going to let this one go? <laughs> like, I, okay, let the, you know, Biden has said that there can't be a national ban. States are going to do what they're going to do. We can fight them on the individual basis. But, like, we're just not going, this is not going to be our cause celeb. We're going to focus on other kinds of trans issues. Hmm. I'm kind of split on that, personally. Like, I was saying earlier, I was kind of disappointed that the episode spent so much time on the trans issue, or I'm sorry, the trans sports issue. Mm -hmm. And I wish it had moved on to uh, some of the scarier things that are happening right now. But at the same time, that is how uh, they get their foot in the door. Mm -hmm. um, so we're spending all this time um, talking about what's actually a pretty complicated issue without really clean solutions and I think you'll find a variance of opinion even within the trans community about sports um, but it's it has to be addressed to some degree because it's the Trojan horse for everything else that comes after it um, well that's what I mean like if it's the Trojan horse like there's a version of this that I think has much more significant implications in sports but there's a version of this that says if what if what Republicans are really mad at I mean, we think it's a lie. We think it's bad faith and we think it's a Trojan horse. But to the extent that they're using it as a Trojan horse, if they claim that all they care about is women's in sports and what happens to minors, then we're going to say no surgical interventions for minors absent, um, you know, extreme cases where, you know, where self-harm is likely and blah, 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 whatever the exceptions are. And no... Um, no uh, trans women in sports. That we're going to recreate a separate league for trans folks you know at, at, do, do we think that, we, that, that in the world that we live in that would cut off a lot of the conservative arguments and force them to move on to different sub subjects and basically protect trans folks from the onslaught of legislation that we're seeing sneaking through this trojan door or do we think it wouldn't make any difference at all you know i actually think it god like i'm so sick of talking about sports i but, know yeah um like, it's hard to say, because on one hand, um, it's something we can just chew on and debate on forever, because there's like a million ways to split it and a million takes. But um, at the same time, um, sorry, I'm collecting my thoughts. Um, yeah, take your time. Um, at the same time, I think seeding this ground kind of justifies everything that comes after it. There's still, within people that are very casually invested in trans issues, there's this belief that trans women are just men 
and they're indistinguishable from men and they're playing pretend and it's this weird liberal fantasy that we all have to placate them. Mm. And I think if we were to just be like, fine, blanket ban, no trans people in sports, I mean, then that kind of seeds the ground that um, there are these inherent sex differences that men and women are just very different things. And then you can then roll it up from that and trans women can't be allowed in uh, women's spaces. Um, trans women can't uh, dress like women, can't, it's, it's, I think but Jean, it's. Isn't the issue though, I mean, the issue isn't that there's a deny that acceptance, acknowledgement, understanding, love, embracing of trans women and trans men, obviously, but trans, trans women is with the focus of the sports stuff. Is it contingent on denying sexual dimorphism, right? Like, right. yes, there's intersex people and yes, there's, you know, a spectrum of even biological sex, not to mention gender, but yeah, yeah, sure. But I mean, I feel sometimes I feel like the trouble that the left the liberals get into is that the thing that the Republicans claim that they're mad at is being forced to, quote unquote, pretend that trans women are cis women. And my feeling is that, well, no, there's different words for a reason. Trans women aren't representing themselves as having been assigned female at birth or else they wouldn't be calling themselves trans women. There's a word for that. That's cis women. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I don't, you, 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 you were arguing just then or saying just then that acknowledging, you know, you know, having no, not allowing trans women in sports would be to acknowledge that there are, you know, to, you know, kind of affirm that there are these sexual differences, differences between the sexes. Is that an issue? Is that really, is that the, the problem? Is, is that an issue to acknowledge that there are biological differences between men and women, but that that doesn't negate someone's ability to identify as a woman and be a trans woman? Um, no, I mean, I don't think so. I think the problem is that it's going to be taken without that nuance. And it's going to be, um, I think if we were to drop the sports issues altogether, it'd be an af it would be seen as an affirmation of the stark um, difference between men and women when there's, I mean, actually a lot of crossover. Um, and I mean, a given woman may be stronger than a given man or whatever. Um, I think just as far as optics, number one, it's, yeah, it's seeding ground on this issue and letting them run with it. And then, I mean, of course, there's differences between men and women, but it's not quite so stark as, I mean, conservatives tend to believe or people that have this very essentialist view of gender tend to believe. But, the, but that's the problem. I think, again, when we're talking about a random group of schlebby American teens yeah, there's no difference. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. it's it's meaningless. And with all of the uh, hormones in our milk and chicken, it's really <laughs> it's really meaningless. But like, I but when that this is the problem. We're talking about competitive sports. It becomes very much not meaningless. And there are very stark differences between the sexes, which is why we've, as a society, for hundreds and thousands of years now, segregate sex segregated sports because otherwise. 
we know from real life that women just don't, cis women cannot compete. It just is, you know, in most, most of these sports, you know, there are exceptions, but generally speaking, cis women just can't compete. You know, so like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I feel like there's this weird desire to like hang on to the idea. Sometimes difference isn't inferiority. Difference isn't anything to be ashamed of. It's not bad. You know, I don't like, I'm not hanging my value in society on the idea that I'm like, you know, I, I'm just especially strong. I, I know that most like 17 year old boys can beat me up. Like, I know that that's true. <laughs> and that's okay. But like, I also appreciate the ability to, you know, if I wanted to become a competitive weightlifter or something, to know that I can compete within some, with, with a class of people who, broadly speaking, have the same, we come from the same starting place. Mm-hmm. Well, and I would say, like, sure, like competitive sports, there's going to be a more stark difference between uh, men and women's sports. Um but ultimately, if, if we were even seed the ground that, okay, we're not going to evaluate anyone and like case for case basis, if it's fair for you to compete, we're just going to ban uh, trans women because we're usually talking about trans women when it comes to sports. Mm-hmm. We're just going to ban trans women from competing. I, I think the message that sends reverberates down to more than just um, professional sports. It's going to be something the right runs with to um, seg- to um, do the same with uh, like little league or whatever. Mm. Um, I think that's pos- I think that's perfectly possible. Like I think the most fair way to do it is to leave it to individual organizations that manage their uh, respective sports to kind of decide on individual cases, with the goal being fairness. I mean, a lot of these laws and um, policies and things that we're seeing come down, they, they don't give a shit about fairness. They just want to, like, enforce this view of trans people's identities basically being fake or playing pretend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I kind of agree with you. I do think that they're I think probably an ideal situation is for them, for the people who know the science and the sports and the things to come up with a metric that frankly is very, very tough to beat. Right. Like I think if this, if any of these people putting forth these policies were at at all serious about fairness in sports, there would be a lot more talk about gathering data Mm -hmm. and trying to see what sports people have advantages in and Mm -hmm. um, where hormonal intervention changes how you compete. It just, from the face of it, it's not being done from a spirit of fairness. It's being done out of bigotry. Yeah, I think that like there's if you really came up with metrics that everyone were happy with, it would be frankly almost impossible for a professional trans woman athlete to beat it, which, you know, sucks on an individual level, but is maybe substantively fair. But those same standards when applied to a bunch of eighth graders probably do let a lot more trans girls through just because the differences in people's bodies at that age are not so significant. Um, And the level of competition is not that important. And the skill level, generally speaking, is so much lower. Well, and that seems to be, 
that seems to be where the battle's fighting, uh, being fought for the most part, is on these levels where it just doesn't really matter anyway. Um, I mean, they'll talk about scholarships and they'll talk about professional sports and records, but the people who are facing the brunt of these laws, the vast majority of them are just like kids that want to play. Mm-hmm. For sure. And of course, you know, we have the genital checks now and all of this re- weird, creepy oh, yeah. stuff that comes with the enforcement Gross. of those kinds of rules with kids. So um, it's important not to lose sight of all of that. Jean, I really appreciate um, your contributions to this conversation tonight. Thanks. I love the podcast. Keep it on. Thank you so much. Thanks for calling in. This has been really productive, I think. Keep the faith. Uh, Isaac has made a request to for me to call on Lysol before Isaac, so I am doing that. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I call someone from the front of the line and then someone from the mix, randomly selected. So this was my front of the line call, but I'm hopping over Isaac per his request. So Lysol, hit me. What's on your mind tonight? Hey, Bree, how you doing? I'm doing all right. So would you agree with me about the Trojan horse uh, analogy? Do I need to flesh it out like fully or is it kind of? No, I think we, we all get that this is just the way that they're the way in. But the question is, the Trojan horse analogy doesn't 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 do anything for me because at the end of the day, don't let the horse in. <laughs> if we all know that this is a Trojan horse, why are we still welcoming it in the gates and entertaining the entertaining the conversation, entertaining the horse? Is there an argument then to say, okay, fuck this horse, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna live to fight another day? And defend other aspects of trans rights, um, et cetera, you know, focus on a, a broad range of issues that are, you know, germane to the public right now, but not die on the hill of trans women in sports. Um, yeah, I, I, I would agree. Pivot to the stuff that's more kind of human rightsy versus just kind of like the privilege of going to a school that has a team that you can play for or whatever. Mm hmm. It does, do, it does feel like it's more urgent because there's, you know, and that's the other thing about the youth sports issue is by making it a, making an argument about competition in sports, it's aiding the people who are saying this isn't a material argument, that this isn't, this, this doesn't affect the class war, like the, like the majority of the people affected by trans rights issues aren't in the lower class themselves. Is that, is that true? Um, yeah, I mean, between life, life expectancy and, you know, chances of bankruptcy, just in general, I mean, there, how many, how many state, like, I said over 25 and BK corrected me, but I believe there's still at least 15 or 20 states where you can discriminate against somebody for being trans in terms of a job. Wait, I'm sorry. Maybe I didn't understand your point. I, I thought you were saying that most people, most trans people who are experiencing um, these, you know, t- discrimination are in the upper, upper classes, but maybe I misunderstood what you were saying. No, the other way, the lower classes. Oh, okay. Okay, yes. The people, the people who are more traditionally marginalized. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, being am- being among those groups and focusing more on the intersectionality of that, it's just kind of you know, if if people want to have solidarity and talk about class struggles, you don't get to pick and choose whose struggle you support. You kind of got. Right. To- for sure. For sure. Yeah, I agree. Like I'm, I'm always struck by this. This I think it was like one in every five, you know. A, a trans teen faced homelessness largely because they've been kicked out of the house by their family and things like that. And all of the things that come with being unhoused and living on the streets and, um, you know, the need to rely on sex work, not out of choice, but out of necessity and all of the dangers that accrue with that as well. You know, like it, it does feel really, 
it feels like we the part of what happens with this conversation is it shifts from a conversation about trans people as disproportionate victims of all kinds of crimes and violence and things and poverty to the one area, the one area <laughs> where trans women have this advantage, which is when they're on like the soccer field, which is kind of this silly I don't know. It's it, it's a it's a reframing of what trans people are going through that, frankly, makes them more unsympathetic in the public sphere than uh, than the ninety nine point nine percent of issues that they're facing. And it's a reframing that also reinforces that locker room bathroom fear, which is always kind of like an undercurrent that sometimes mm-hmm. they out and sometimes they do. But this is you know the, they're gonna like oh well, they should be they should be showering together and stuff like that. And like mm-hmm. again, it's much more likely to be your coach, or your priest. Than a, a trans girl on your team, mm-hmm, it, the Dalai Lama. There's <laughs> there's one case. Um, oh God. <laughs> there was uh, in Oklahoma a a trans girl beat up a um, ber- uh, defended herself and beat up uh, a, um, a biological assigned female at birth who was they were picking on her in the bathroom and immediately all the transphobes jumped on it because it's just kind of like that you know. It's like, oh, well, well, what about Chicago with black people? There's just like mm-hmm. this counterexample. It's like, yeah. And you don't think that plays into every trans person's head when they go into every single bathroom? You don't think they've taken unending amounts of shit because they knew they wouldn't have any support if they tried to defend themselves? And this goes back to the intersectionality. It's like, it's, you got you to gotta be with all the struggles, I think. Yeah, I, I, think that feels, I think that feels right. What did you make of, um, what did you make of kind of Aaron's arguments on the podcast her response is to some of these kind of questions that i raised in the podcast i think i mean i think it's really great she's the person who's been like live tweeting the um the the sessions that are whether these arguments are getting made right mm-hmm. yeah yeah i'm a big fan of her work it's you know it's kind of like she's like the trans equivalent of the the one reporter who was at the chelsea the chelsea manning trial mm-hmm. kind of, well, at least yeah some, at least somebody's doing it yeah i strong strong agree She's doing a lot of work in keeping track of these hundreds of cases. I don't know how uh, she does it without like a team and more support. So I I do strongly recommend folks follow Aaron. All right, thanks so much for calling in, Lysol. Yeah, for sure. Oh, oh one last thing, you got to check out Beef. I also want to know your opinion on that show. Okay, I've been saving up, saving it up. I you know I'm a big fan of a lot of the uh, actors in it, so it's definitely on my list. It's so good. <laughs> okay, all right. I'm looking forward to it. Maybe I'll get into it this weekend. Yeah, for sure. Okay, keep the faith, Lysol. Let's go to Dylan. What is on your mind tonight, Dylan? Uh, oops, I accidentally made Dylan speaker, but that's okay. Unmute yourself, Dylan, and let us know what's on your mind. Sorry, I was on my computer and it's it was a little bit different on the computer. But can you hear me? Mm-hmm. Loud and clear. Cool, cool. Um, first thing, yeah, I I love the episode. I loved Erin. Um, she's actually someone I've been wanting you to talk to bring on about um, trans rights because um, back a few like the two times ago that I called, I called in and talked to you about that trans woman that, that died um, uh, a couple, uh, maybe about a month ago. And he was like the main one that was actually talking about it. So it's, um, so I'm glad you all got to like the trans suicide 
um, part of it because she's been very good on that and just different trans issues in general. She's like been like the main person, which is amazing. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what do you make, what do you make of all of this conversation so far, Dylan? Um, so first thing, um, uh, I think the main thing, I, I think like, I think y'all did spend a little bit, maybe too much on the trans sports question, but I understand why you, um, stayed on there because it's such a, you know, like it's the Trojan horse, like what, you know, what, Bless all it was saying. So it's kind of something we kind of always like we got to get past is that Trojan horse. Um, but, you know, all these trans anti-trans legislation that's coming around is definitely like the more important aspect of it. But um, let me see. Uh, so two two things that I wanted to bring up specifically kind of about about trans rights, but not um, specific to the episode. So um I found out actually a while back that speaking of women in sports, there was um, uh, back in the 1950s, the, I, I know you've heard about, probably heard of the, um, the all women's baseball league, but there was actually some integration in the Negro leagues in the 1950s with women in men's baseball in mm. the, in the Negro leagues, there were three women that, played played there in the 1950s so we're talking 1950s there was a little bit of pushback for in the 1950s for sure but still they let them play in the 1950s i mean again this is you know only black people you know in the negro leagues but at least black mm -hmm. people were accepting of that back in the 1950s and now look at us where we're at today you know, it's kind of like, you know, and then, and then the whole thing about like the league of their own, where the women wanted to play baseball, like they were trying to get like right there where um, men are. And honestly, like, I think there've been a couple of times, like I know there's like a football player or something that um, is playing like high school is, a, is like a quarterback, like, like a woman high school quarterback or something. And it's like, I think what people don't understand is that um, I liked what um, was named Jean um, um, mm -hmm. this I said earlier of the like different like weight classes and everything. And it's like, um, I think maybe that's a little bit, that'd be a little too overcomplicated, but at the same time, opening up some of these sports to women and just seeing if they can put up, a sh put up, put it up, you know, like, mm -hmm. like, can, can they do it? And I think there's been a couple of sports that have been like, all right, let's, let's, let's see if they can. And not many can, but of what has happened, some can, you know, some can, some women can play in men's sports. It's mm -hmm. been shown. So I don't know. I just wanted to bring that up since we were talking about it. So like in general, like not, um, not um, just trans women, but just talking about that. Like, yeah. Um, 
So I, I guess I'm a little confused, Dylan, about what how that plays into the trans debate because, the, again, the background of all of this is the baseline that, on average, you know, people assigned male at birth are stronger than people assigned female at birth. So the reason that women, it's not like women aren't, there's no rule that says women can't play in the NBA or women can't play in Mm -hmm. the MLB or whatever. It's that they're just like not qualifying to, right? Mm -hmm. So to the extent that some do qualify, I know there was some instance of like a woman, um, they had like a kicker (coughs) that I think she was, had a soccer background and she was the, yeah. And there's the one that kicks the football through the thing, you know, down the field at the beginning or whatever. That they had a woman who was going to do that, and that you know, I think that she ended up flaming out. But you know, there are these there's these skills that you know you're not. She's not going to be a linebacker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there's 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 areas where a woman could potentially conceivably compete because it's not yeah. about physicality or whatever. And you could see that in baseball, you conceivably, you know, some of these sports that are less contact sports. And women are, are open to compete and try to make a professional baseball team. They're just not able to. The issue is with, and, and that's why they have separate women's leagues, because otherwise mm-hmm. no one would get to play. The issue with trans women is different. Yeah, right? Okay, so... I, I guess I thought it, I thought you were maybe bringing it no, up. No, no, I just wanted to bring that up just kind of for context. Okay. Um, yeah, I just wanted to bring that up for context. Like to me, the whole trans women in in sports, to me, that's just like I like 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 I all said, it's like the Trojan horse, and like to me, that you can go kind of both sides on that. To me, until you know, the main thing is you have to talk about it without transphobia and you can't talk about it just talk about it with like um you know you have to talk about it for the right reasons from a good faith perspective and then we can have like actually talk about that um that's that's kind of my main thing i I agree with you and i completely like i really respect even as i was sitting talking to aaron i was thinking you know i could be a little bit more direct but aaron doesn't really know me from adam and it's i don't think it's like, I'm not trying to put her in another situation where, you know, I'm not trying to give her any reason to be more skeptical of me than she already is. <laughs> Maybe in our third or fifth conversation, it would be a little different. But I completely appreciate why folks might have a presumption of bad faith with anyone trying to get into this issue area. Like, I completely yeah. get that. That being said, it does make it really difficult to talk about. Um, that. <sighs> I see some people talking in the chat about, oh, I'm a cis woman and I feel like I don't want to call in because I'm going to be called a turf in the brute, you know, like some of that is melodrama, but some of it I think is a sincere concern that no, that there is a presumption of bad faith and maybe that's an earned presumption of bad faith and it's just our, you know, it's on us to rebut that presumption, but it doesn't make things necessarily easier. I will say yeah. to, to get to the bottom of a, to, yeah. of a conversation. Yeah, to me, I mean, to me, the main thing is, are you, do you think trans women are women? And do you think that, um, or do you, like, actually support them as in, like, want them to have the care that they need? And to me, yeah, if, if you support that, then to me, any other opinions you have, to me, that's, that's respectable. I mean, you can you're at least coming in good faith if that's the case. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that Dylan. And I appreciate yeah. you, 
you calling in as always. Thank you I so much for one. your recommendation. I know that you were one of the the people oh. that wanted Aaron to come on. I actually had one more thing to bring up if it was okay. Sure, of course. Okay, okay. Um, so I have, it's actually about rising. Um, mm-hmm. um, I have, I started watching Rising more um, because of you. I kind of got out of it for a little bit. Um, but I just want to say that like, when it comes to the trans issue, it's just kind of very, it's, it gets very uncomfortable and rising when they talk about trans stuff. I agree. Um, I don't want you to say anything because I know, you know, they're your coworkers, but some of the people, especially one co-host you had the other day that was a guest host made me cringe and I, I agree. I did not I, have fun on Friday. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> okay. Yes. I I did not enjoy that at all. And uh, I did not enjoy that at all. So it's very good that you had this episode now after the kind of stuff that's been on Rising. It's very kind of, yeah. Uh, honestly, just my just my opinion, one last thing about, about Rising and, the, and then I'll go. But Sometimes, I mean, I like Robbie. He's great, kind of. But sometimes it's like there's only so much you can do with some people, and you do feel out of place there sometimes. I'll say this about Robbie. He doesn't walk around screaming biological women, biological women, biological women when these subjects come up. Yeah. And what, what you said about good faith, it's like, there, there were, there is, there was some space for me to understand and like communicate with the Friday host, but I'm sorry, I couldn't get past her choice to use language, which I know that she knows isn't, is disrespectful, is perceived as disrespectful. Yeah. Because she just there was wants no debating. to. There was no debating. Right. And, and at that point, it's like, like, I, I don't want to concede anything to you. I'm sorry. Because you don't have any risk. Like, I know that whatever we're talking about here, like, you, you you are demonstrating your belief that you don't have to respect this community that we're talking about. And you don't have to. It's a free country. But now I also don't have to respect you. Yeah. So that's where we are. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I just wanted to bring that up because it's, like, some of the trans stuff that's been going on on Rising has just made, I mean, honestly, like, my personal opinion, if you wanted to get off rising and just have you and Robbie do a show by yourself, I would be cool with that. Well, I, you know, <laughs> Robbie and I, Robbie and I are the pair. And what's yes. happening right now is there's an effort to find a pair to host on Fridays the way that Ryan and Emily used to. Yeah. So the idea would be not that I would be co-host with anybody other than Robbie. But that yeah. each Robbie and I each have to kind of pair it with other people to test them out so that they can be with each other and be on Fridays. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. 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 I don't watch it unless it's unless you're on there, honestly. Same. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Good. So I don't feel bad for not watching. Okay. All right. Well, that's all I wanted to say. I wanted to say my rising opinion because honestly, like, especially Friday, it, it, I got visibly angry. At that. Same. <laughs> <laughs> and some of the, don't read the comments on some of those. I will not. I don't. 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 <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> when I was talking to you, Bree. Um, Same I'll, here. I'll, I'll, Thanks, Dylan. 
Keep the faith. All right. Uh, Hannah Banana, hit me with it. We got it. We got a cis woman in the chat. (laughs) How you doing, Hannah? Fine. How are you? I'm doing all right. What's going on? Hit hit me. Speak speak for all of the cis women who's who's who are who are in the in the chat, um, feeling unheard, unseen. Um. Well, I only speak for myself. So. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, but like, I missed the first twenty five minutes because um, reading the title, I remembered uh, like a clip that I watched of uh, an interview with Trevor Noah. And this woman, Veronica Ivey, um, she's a Olympian, or yeah, she plays in the Olympics. I don't know what sport, but she brought up a really good point. Um, she made this point that natural testosterone and performance testosterone, there's no difference. Mm-hmm. So like, and she, she said that 0.5% of elite male are below women's testosterone in competitive Olympics. Like, keep, like, men who are an elite force, competitive, like, they have, some of them, 0.5% of them have a lower testosterone. So it's not really about testosterone. Um, like, they've only just started been testing it. Um, but, like, and it really, like, in, as a former high school athlete, you know, it's like it depends on the training and the performance, you know, like, I was joking around in the chat. I was like, do you think Serena Williams could beat LeBron James in football? Like, not right now, but if they trained for it, I think it would be a good fight, you know? Wait, Serena Williams versus LeBron James in football? Assuming they're the same age and let's say they're both 10 years younger and all of that, you think it's a a good fight? I don't know. I don't know their age and I don't know. I don't watch them, actually. I I think Serena's a few years older than LeBron. I think LeBron's my age. And Serena's like a few years older than me. But anyway, I'm just saying it depends on the body. It doesn't, and it's it, male or female. It's just not testosterone. It's not how you look like. And and then she made other points of like how it's inhumane or uh, or just the humane issue, like uh, not letting someone do it based off their like because you know like if you have the perspective away from the inhumane issue, you know, it's like you just look at the body, you know, depending on the sport, like, specific sport, like, yeah, we're all, like, saturated saturated with football and basketball, but, like, there are other sports out there. Yeah, but come on, but Hannah, LeBron James is, like, six foot whatever. You don't have to hold me on that one point. It was a okay, but, okay, fine. Take take any other example. Take it's, I, I, I take your point that some part of it is about training and skill, right? Like, LeBron trained to be able to shoot three-pointers and have Le- ball handling yeah. skills. And Serena trained to be able to serve at however many 100 miles an hour or whatever the heck. I don't, I don't know the details. But at also, it is true that there's a significant part of this that is raw athleticism, where um, who is the guy who's like African, but he sounds like he has a Greek name, and he plays for the Phillies, and he's up for MVP, something with a G, Giannis, uh, G, whatever. Oh, yeah, Someone in the yeah. chat will tell me. I just saw a video about him talking about how when he came over and started playing basketball, he he like knew he was tall, but he wasn't good, and so he Googled. 
<laughs> he googled white boys fundamentals shot three pointers or something <laughs> and like taught himself how to do three pointers and that combined with him being enormous means that he's about to be the mvp um of the nba and michael jordan he's like Oh, I play basketball, but low key, I want to go play ba- baseball. And he's not the greatest baseball player of all time, but like he's got a certain level of just athletic ability, and you know he can hang. Baseball, you don't need. I mean, baseball. I mean, it's it's not not the the performance level is not the same. Um, I'm definitely not talking about the Milwaukee Bucks. Thank you very much. I'm talking about my 76ers, and yes, I'm talking about Giannis and to k- k- Yep, sorry, that fella. But yep. it's like. But you also have to separate the sport. You know, you can't compare sports to each other either. But no, but the, the, forget the sports. The point of the matter is, I mean, look, Hannah, have you ever arm wrestled a boy? Yeah. Yes. Did you win? Some of them, not all of them. Girl, I'm telling you, like, <laughs> look, I, I am proud. I have always been athletic. I played sports. I com- am competitive. I have brothers. I challenge people left, right, and center. I felt like I was scrappy, and I felt like I could do anything. But at a certain point, it became very clear to me that even noodle-armed teenagers were stronger than me, and I needed to sit down. Yeah. Yeah, Embiid. Sorry, no, Embiid. That's what I'm talking about. You're right. Embiid. I'm saying the spectrum is way wider. I'm saying it's like it's so complex. The body is complex. Joel Embiid. The mm-hmm. performance, depending on the sport, is complex. Yeah, like a a child can be an adult, or the adult can be a child. A woman can be a male. But but come on, Hannah, you, you can say a child can be an adult and an adult can be a child. But ninety nine point nine percent of adults are beating but anybody under possible. ten. But it's possible. You can't say it's possible. But who cares? The 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 nine year old who beats an adult is beating the adult because the adult is, you know. Disabled yeah. in some way, or you know, our society right now, like we're banning children from playing against children. That's a joke, right? But we we already kind of talked about that, Hannah. No, I don't think. That, do do you think that I think that? Do, I mean, have we already covered this? That I believe that when kids, it's not competitive and they're very young, there should be a standard that allow, allows for that and the fact that there isn't very much variation. But you didn't come in here talking about, well, fifth graders should be able to play each other regardless of gender assigned at birth, which I think is largely what should happen. You know, definitely probably what should happen. Uh, we're talking about, we, I think we've all acknowledged that the difficulty is what happens at higher levels of athleticism. Yeah, and I think... I think people should, like, depending, just continue, like, don't ban them at all. Why not? Yeah, higher level, there's more professional, and it narrows down. So what? So, like, (laughs) maybe eventually we'll see it one day where some amazing person is in the wrong category and is in the, you know, like, professional field that we watch on TV and the saturated sports. I believe it will happen one day. I guess I'm so for, for, for one hand, you're a little muffled for me. I don't know if there's anything to do about it, but I'm struggling to hear you somewhat, which, which isn't helping. But, but also I, I guess I, I'm not, I'm not fully understanding what, what the argument is here. What, what should we do? What should we do about the higher levels of sports? I, I'm, I, I agree. I think, People should just not give a fuck about gender when it comes to sport. It should they should 
they, the standard could be the body and performance. So, so that's constructively going to end up being, I'm not like arguing with you. I'm just trying to describe what this means. The, that constructively means that at high levels of competitiveness, trans women will not be able to compete against cis women. No, I'm saying I could see it one day where some trans person is in a competitive sport at some point in our lifetime that we don't see right now, like in football or basketball. But I think you've, you got this a little bit backward. Many, no, many, many trans women is the, is the quote-unquote problem can compete and, in fact, out-compete almost every cis woman in sports. That's why people are objecting to it as unfair. So I personally don't care about that. Well, with all due respect, Hannah, you might care about it if you were the number one ranked, you know, runner in the, in the country or in the world, and suddenly you're standing down lower on the podium because someone who you perceive to have, and not just you perceive to have, but there's a good deal of scientific biological evidence that they have an advantage, a physical advantage over you, is able to beat you because well, maybe they, they I have more faith in our society. I really don't think that trans women would like, you know, would outrun the what the current state of WNBA. Like, I don't see a bunch, you know, like. I don't know. Like, I don't see it. I don't see them. I don't see them but I, getting rid of all the women at birth. Like, I don't see that happening. Well, but okay. So, so for one, I, I largely agree. I don't think that we're suddenly going to get you know a hundred applicants to the WNBA next year who are people who just now in the last six months decided to transition, and it all seems very bad faith and cringy. No, I I, I don't think we're going to see Joel Embiid give up his NBA career <laughs> so that he can like, just like dunk on chicks in the WNBA. No, I don't think that that's what's going to happen, but I do think we already have examples of this. We already have examples of um, women like uh, Leah Thompson or Leah Thomas who have competed at a very high level. They might not be, she might not be the number one swimmer in, a, in the country, but she very quickly went from being like the number 300 ranked male swimmer to being one of the top female swimmer swimmers in the world, which gives some female swimmers, some cis swimmers pause. Yeah, I would say that's just complicated. And it's very ironic in the middle of their swimming career. So I definitely have judgment on that. But I that's the, like that's that. what we're talking about, Hannah. Like that's know, the whole but scenario. I'm, but I'm not going to reframe them from participating personally. Okay, well, the question is, should somebody else refrain them from participating? That's what this whole national no. discourse is about. I, I say no. All right. Because it's, yeah. But if if the standard was uh, body built, you, like, you need to be in this group based off your body. Like, if we group people based off their body, I say yes. I mean, you can design that test and say, if your body fat percentage is under X and your height is this or whatever, that that would basically knock most 
I mean, I don't know if that's true because I don't no, know if the hormonal that's treatments. Why, that's, why I brought, that's why I brought up the testosterone. Like, wait, wait a minute. Know, wait a minute. I didn't say testosterone. I know. I said body fat percentage very specifically. So if I could just finish this. I, I was going to say that I think that would knock most men out because the gap between what is a healthy body fat weight, like women cannot get their body fat. Cis women cannot get their body fat anywhere close to where cis men can without dying. Um, but that's at athletic levels, though. Of course, there are plenty of men who have high body fat percentages, higher than women. But I, you know, I, it might be true that at a competitive level where you're an actually good athlete, especially something like swimming. Although, you know, I don't know. But the point is, I, I'm sure you could design a test in a way that basically constructively excluded all cis, men, uh, cis women if you really wanted to. Or just, I guess, by performance. Like, if, like, this person who you just use as an example, how much faster was their time? Like, is that time in another... So, the, like Leah, Leah Thomas, as I understand, got considerably slower when she transitioned, but also was still way faster, like way more highly ranked among women than she was among men. Yeah, so now I think there should be a new bracket based off speed. What do you mean a new bracket based off speed? Based off performance, not based off gender. You, But you, that's, that's the race. The whole point of the race is the person, the whole race is a bracket based on speed. Yeah, that's, that's the sport. compete against other ad fast. You know, like so, but, but what you're basically what saying is everyone should compete against people who are exactly like them, which means it's not a competition. Let me finish this. All right. So let's say, let's say their time is like five seconds, just for a flat example. And then like, and, but their, their time when they were a male was three seconds. But the female swimmers born at female has always been eight seconds. They should just make the top be like, obviously, right now, they can't catch up. So the bracket will be six seconds to zero seconds. Just change the speed bracket instead of making it about people's identities and just change the speed bracket. That's all I'm saying. So then that person would still be competing with men. Yes, for now, until someone else gets in that specific sport. Like, okay, so so this this goes back to what I was saying to Aaron. It seems to me to be not a good principle to say that trans women can compete with cis women as long as they're not number one, as long as they're not in the first place. Because at that point, it's obvious that you're just kind of rigging it for optics and not basing it on any sort of principle about what's fair broadly in competition. And again, I'm not saying there's any easy answers, and I don't want to sound like I'm being insensitive to the reality that it would be it would really suck. If you were a high-performing competitive athlete, at some point you realize that you you you're in, you need to transition, that you want to transition, and that that might mean that you don't get to compete at the highest echelons of sports anymore, or you still have to compete against men, but you're going to be at a disadvantage because now you're taking all of these female hormones. Like I, that that's a shitty situation. But uh, yeah, there's but another part of me that says, wait a minute. There's another part of me that says, you know. There are terrible things that happen. People have injuries. There are a lot of reasons people can't um, continue their sports careers. Ultimately, like, that might just have to be a personal thing. It's just a personal thing that happens. And there was a trade-off that had to be made when there was an, you know, a decision to, to transition. And not everyone gets to be an Olympic athlete, and just that is what it is. That might, that might be just what it is. 
I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I'm not coming to any conclusion, but that just might be how it is. Yeah, life sucks, you know. Or, or postpone a transition, which I know is another kind of hardship that's very significant that I don't want to downplay in the least. But those are kind of like the options. Or you, you know, you Caitlyn Jenner it, and you have your whole career, and you're a decathlete, and you're exceptional. And you transition later in life. I mean, like you can. There's a. I'm not saying that that's why she waited to transition, but you know, like I. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's complicated, and I think the best way is to not be offensive on identity. And if you know, eventually people will get over things. You know, like if you just stop, if you just wouldn't say trans this. You know, it's like of course, like it's it's stupid. You know, just change the the terminology and be like these are the new standards and just don't put trans people in the just be like this is the standard for this sport it's that easy i i think there's a little bit of a misunderstanding about how speed brackets work hannah but i don't want to belabor this point it's a little bit off topic but i appreciate you calling in and giving your perspective yeah um anyway thanks okay thank you keep the faith all right, patient Isaac, what's on your mind tonight? Oh, uh, shit. <coughs> Nothing. How are you? <laughs> I'm fine. Nothing's on your mind tonight? No, there are things on my mind. Want to hit us with them? Uh, sure. Um, first, before hitting you with them, I have a question. Mm-hmm. It, given the choice, would you become a vampire? Isaac, while I would normally entertain such frolics and detours, I am concerned this is a very long queue, and I have done nothing, no progress at all on my rings today. So I'm not staying on here very much longer. So if you want to use the time that you're allotted to talk about whether or not I would opt to be a vampire, I can talk about that for 20 minutes, but then I'm leaving. Wait, leaving everybody? I, I'm leaving. The, I'm, I have to get out of here soon. So choose your choices. Okay, well, I have one thing that I've wanted to share for the past few months, but if you, if you would rather stay on topic, we could do that. You, you can share it, but... But I, I, you're, you've already wasted several minutes now, Isaac. Come on, what, what do you have to? Wait, what's on your mind? Let's let's try to move through this. There's a long queue, and people have a lot to say. This is, a, you know, come on, come on, just say something. I, I don't care what it is. Okay, I'll bring up what I brought up in Lysol's Carl earlier, which is that there's a strange, overwhelming focus on trans issues, and mm-hmm. that a person that I have recommended to you in the past brought up to my attention that random polling of American citizens has them believe that 20% of the American population is transgender. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the, the Matt Walsh, you know, completely getting his stats wrong. Yeah, I think that really, that really skews people's investment in this issue and why they feel like it's uh, relevant to talk about, you know, it's justified to talk about it so much. And I do think a significant part of the messaging on this should be, 
you know, emphasizing how few folks this actually affects. Now, that can be a little tricky because it sometimes can sound like you're saying, well, there's barely any trans people, so why should we care about their rights when obviously that's not the point that we're trying to make? Um, but, yeah, I think a lot of folks have a really outsized sense of, um, you know, the actual likelihood that they will encounter a trans woman in a bathroom or whatever it is they're so afraid of. Well, and it's it's the opposite of that right? Is that why is there an outsized focus on it when this is such a small portion of the population? And additionally, the trans bathroom thing, I forget which state that was in, but that ended up costing them over $8 billion in their economy. Mm. How, 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 how so? Legal fees or having to build new facilities or what happened? I don't know. I couldn't you know, pull stats out and be like, hey, here's this specific industry that was affected in this way. But over the course of, I think, just that voting year, and do you remember which state that was? I don't. It, whatever one had the stupid trans bathroom law on the line, yes, that ended up hurting them immensely. Mm. And I, I think it may have just been a year-to-year comparison, and who knows if that, you know, could be attributed entirely to that, but that was the case. Mm. So, yeah, so what's your, what's your takeaway from that? Or did you have anything else, else to add, Isaac? Takeaway from I, – I, I still think that, like, there's a weird – focus whether that be like driven by essentialism like whatever's going on that like as soon as anything about trans people comes up and that's even in at least online lgbt spaces it just causes people to start frothing at the mouth it's it's very very strange yeah, well, hopefully, you know, we can start to work through some of this stuff and figure out way, the best ways to you know, um, counter narrative. I think the point you raised about emphasizing the extent to which it's just being really overstated how many people this affects, um, is an important part of that. So I appreciate you raising that and calling in. Yeah. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. Thanks, Isaac. All right. Uh, Eric, what's on your mind tonight? Hey, can you hear me? Loud and clear. I was not expecting that. That you caught me off guard. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so uh, one of the real quick things that I kind of wanted to mention on this topic is that um, what I have difficulty like understanding when it comes to this topic is that if the like, how do you? people, how do you handle the idea that if the issue with, you know, having transgender women in um, sports, female uh, and cisgender sports, is simply about the bi- biological, you know, um, ad- uh, advantages that they may have, mm-hmm. how do you deal with other biological disadvantages that exist between cisgender men and other cisgender men or cisgender women and other cisgender women does that also then come into play? Yeah, it's so funny. So the Friday um, conversation that um, I think Dylan mentioned, 
um, my co-host brought up, um, you know, these biological differences. And, you know, I was playing devil's advocate. I said, well, yeah, I mean, you could make the argument that, you know, black, black people are competitive in these running sports because uh, we have narrower set hips. And that makes, you know, I took skeletal anatomy that even black women compared to white women and black men compared to white men have a narrow set of hips, which means that your stride is longer because the angle, you know, the having less of an angle means your foot goes out farther ahead of you when you extend it. And that that's a biological advantage. Is that unfair for white people? Are all of these East Africans that grow up at high altitudes and have better lung capacities and that you see all these Ethiopian runners and Kenyan runners and whatnot, is that an unfair advantage? Should we segregate the sports by country of origin or by race or something like that? You know, um, at, what, at what point does it stop? Yeah, so that's like one of the, 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 the hard parts, at least for me with this conversation is, if that is the argument. I also feel like, while I also feel like a lot of people who are, you know, on the side of they don't want transgendered women in uh, female sports, cisgender female sports, I think sometimes they're not honest in what one of their real issue is. And I think there is a protectionist quality to it that goes beyond the fairness of the sport. I think that a lot of times when I hear them talk, it sounds like what they really want to do is to protect women because they're women. You understand what I'm saying? They're trying to protect cisgender simply because they're cisgender. And it sounds like they think that there's going to be some level of physical harm that might happen to them if you kind of understand well some of that is i mean so you know a lot of this came up because of joe rogan and joe rogan was talking about some experience that he observed with um i don't remember if it was like just a cis woman an mma fire and a man or a cis woman and a trans woman but there was some kind of altercation with a cis woman and someone who was assigned male at birth and uh the cis woman just got really hurt in the fight. And his whole thing was like, I nothing against trans people, but it's like so obvious in a sport, at least like MMA that, you know, because it's so physical and so violent that a cis woman, like she should not be in the ring. Um, and that it wouldn't be fair to put a cis woman in that position. And that's, you know, where a lot of this blew up and where all, a lot of the accusations of uh, Joe Rogan being transphobic originated from. And I would argue somewhat unfairly, uh, at least with respect to that particular anecdote. I don't know what else he might have said. And, um, you know, like, it's, you got to reckon with that. Okay. So what, what is, you know, is it, is, it, is it transphobic to point out that the strength differences between a trans MMA, a trans female MMA fighter and a cis female MMA, MMA fighter are so significant that it is, borderline dangerous for a cis woman to get into the ring. Or at least more dangerous than what would be a typical situation. Right, right, right. Like, I mean, yeah, like, yes. Uh-huh. I mean, I'd, like I said, I, I, like, one of the things, like, again, one of the things that I always, you know, try to, uh, why sometimes I personally have difficulties with this conversation is just, I'm someone who I just 
really don't. I just always feel like for me, sports is just as a form of entertainment and my level of, like, I would say this, I would say that there is no perfect answer to this. I do know for a fact that I don't think the government should be um, involved in making or outlawing um, who can and cannot participate in certain sports. Well, which government? Because, right, like, I'm a little confused about the postures. Biden says there can be no national bans. So that's good. But, of course, states are going to do what states are going to do. I would include I would I would also include states. I would be more on that, you know, if you have so, you know, like you have um, different organizations and they set the rules for this particular sport. And when I say this, it's it's so like it's very interesting how to like because I did one of the things you. I just know right off the back that I'm more wary about, you know, how much I would want the government to, state, local, or federal government saying, you know, no trans people in any sports regardless. I would have mm-hmm. issues with that. Yeah. I would be more com- it won't be perfect, but I think I would just feel more comfortable with individual local organizations who you know, run these sports, setting the rules, knowing, even knowing the fact that that is going to have its own issues embedded into it. Because that's one of the things that I think we also have to come to terms with when we're having this conversation and whatever comes out of it is there is no perfect solution. Someone is going to get hurt. People are going to get regardless of the fact of what we decide as a society is the correct thing. Yeah, I think that's right. Unfortunately, I I feel, I feel like I'm doing Russia Ukraine. Unfortunately, <laughs> the, it, look, it, sometimes it does feel like sometimes it does feel like if you take a position where some of the people there that, that there's like there's people who are unhappy on both sides and some of those people are trans, then you've taken a transphobic position. Mm-hmm. You know, the way when when Aaron says, you know, the the rule that should govern is a, a is a good faith is a good faith identification. You know, um I forget, I'm sorry, I'm blocking the language that she used, but you know, that that a, you know, trans person's good faith ID should be enough for them to compete. That's basically saying that you know, no matter what, any given trans person gets to decide what the rules are. Mm-hmm. Which you can understand why that would make certain cis women with their own separate interests concerned. And as much as I want to ensure maximum fairness for trans women, there is, in this instance, going to be a trade-off because of the nature of why we sex segregate sports in the first place. It's, it's, at, it's at odds. You know, it's mostly when we're talking about trans issues and respecting identity and substantive rights, it's this very strong acknowledgement that gender is different than sex and that trans women's gender identity should be respected, but not that there needs to be this weird, there's no, there's no weird denial of the biological reality. It's just, we respect the gender identity. But if we're talking about trans women in sports, that the reason, the whole reason this topic is so difficult 
is because it forces us to really put a microscope on the aspect of trans women that frankly is private and none of our business and not, not the thing that we want to be under scrutiny, which is their biology. And that's, you know, it's cringy and it's offensive and it's not what we want, but like that's the whole point of sex segregation in sports. So it really puts that aspect of their identity under the microscope in a way that I think is uncomfortable for everyone involved. I also but that is that's the whole point of sport, sex, sex, sex segregated sports, you know? Uh huh. I, I do, I, I, I understand that particular point of view, that fact, because it is, you know, to a point, it is a fact. But one of the things I do find interesting is like, at least from my mind, is well, I think one of the things that make it kind of hard for me just to grasp, you know, just how hard people are going with this is also just the, 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 at this point in time, just the numbers. Like when you were bringing up with Aaron, you were talking about one person in West Virginia, five people in, uh, what was that, Utah? Mm-hmm. So it's like at that point, it's just like, well, like, are, is the numbers at a point where, at least for me, and then, you know, this I'm a cis man, so, you know, how much say should I have in this? I think of it as like, well, we're talking about one person in this state, five people in this state. I don't see the numbers at a level to really be as concerned, but that's just my point of view. Um, what do you mean as concerned? As concerned with what? With like that trans women are going to dominate uh, uh, um, cisgender sports just because the numbers aren't there to do that. Right, but it's not the the focus of the political conversation isn't on the little the little girl in Utah. The focus of the political conversation is on Leah Thomas. So so like I see um I see Lysol saying in the chat, you know, if you can if if it's a win where never transphobes can get a well intentioned person person to to saying, but there are differences. That to me is like if if we're saying that it's a transphobes win. That transphobes win if I so much as acknowledge that there's anything called sexual dimorphism. You know, if I if I acknowledge a thing called a cis woman, that that's a one, uh, that's a win. That's not minimizing trans women or saying that trans women aren't women, but it's a win for me to acknowledge that outside of intersex people and some variations that definitely exist in a biological spectrum, that the majority of human beings present at birth as a male sex or a female sex that's a win for transphobes i mean that's where you get into this matt walsh place where they're making fun of us and saying that we're absurd is the argument really that that the the value and respect for trans people and the respect for a choice of a trans woman to identify as a woman hinges on a, a lack of recognition that human reproduction functions by most people being sorted into one of two categories with different reproductive capabilities on the whole and that that's how a baby is made like i like i I don't understand like that's the part i think that gets us into trouble why are we linking together those two things why are we linking together our value and respect for trans women and their identification as trans women and the 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 the, you know the denial of the fact that there's there's biological sexes. What it is is that I think, because I do agree that sometimes when I hear people, because that's like one of the issues I do have with um, a lot of people sometimes when they're talking about the trans issue and when they come at come out and 
so viscerally attack certain people when they say certain things. Like, there are sometimes Joe Rogan makes comments. Like, when he was talking about the uh, trans women in um, uh, UFC, when he says that, he is stating something that is, you know, that is a concern that I think should be brought up. But mm-hmm. when I'm at him with the same vitriol for saying that. Now, he has said some other stuff that was just right off craziness and was transphobic. But when you come, just taking that particular um, instance, when you connect that and you say that is the same thing as what Matt Walsh say, says and what Candace Owens says, mm-hmm. you create, now we're creating a, um, uh, 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 we're, we're creating a, it's, it's like saying, I mean, we're creating an un, unnecessary, uh, we're not creating room for different, like, we have to understand that everything exists on the spectrum and that there is some things like Matt Walsh is one end and comparing everything to Matt Walsh, then who, then there's no way to build allyship with anyone. There's no way to yeah. have a conversation because even the conversation I'm having you are not right now. Some people may hear it and could probably consider me saying some transphobic things and would probably, you know, associate me with Matt Walsh. And I would think that would be ludicrous. Yeah. I think that keeps us from getting to a, a uh, any type of common ground or solution. But I did find one thing that you said, because I never thought about this, is when you brought up the fact that, you know, um, when thinking at, you know, people who are trans are going through some form of body dysmorphia and it may be something you just have to take an L on to, to uh, you know, you may just have to be like, well, I've been, you know, wanting to be this professional sport person, you know, sports athlete, but I am transgender. So I may not be able to compete in sports anymore on a professional level. Yeah, I mean, look, I could be a professional athlete um, and then get pregnant and then miss the Olympics. And so, look, I got a choice. I can get an abortion. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm not trying to be glib, but like, there are there are tough things that come up that you are at a crossroads and it sucks and that's life. But at a certain point, it's, you know, and I have empathy for it and I respect whatever decision anybody makes. But I do, you know. I guess the real question is, am I, am I, in the way I'm framing this, forcing a crosswords that where none exists, where trans women should not have to make that choice and can have it all? Or, you know, or are we going to say that, you know, if they, if, if they can have it all, are we going to acknowledge that there are some negative implications for cis women in the competitive sporting space? Not, I would argue, on an eighth grade soccer team. Or field hockey or whatever the hell. I don't know why I keep going going back to soccer. Maybe because I've just been binging Yellow Jackets. I really wish um, people would, um, when people have this conversation, we'd make a clear delineation between professional sports athletes and like your local, you know, elementary school or even middle school little communities. Yeah. Soccer team because I that to me I think I I'm like I don't care you let them all play together because who cares it's like, yeah I, they all suck they all little you know this is for fun this is for I agree no nobody's getting overpowered no one's getting hurt I mean to the, I mean sometimes it's just a big girl 
You can have a big, strong cis girl. Let me tell you, we used to play this team in Kenya called Red Valley Academy. The Red Valley Academy girls, I don't know what they were feeding them out there. It, they were, these girls were all corn-fed, six-foot-tall, big, strong-legged, blonde women that looked like they crossed America on a carriage in 1840 on a, on a cover wagon. And I don't know how they all ended up in Kenya. I don't know exactly what the school was. I don't know if it was some kind of Christian academy. I don't know. But it was all of these very strong, tall uh Nordic looking girls they used to whoop our ass every time we played them in anything. And the joke was that their insignia was a buffalo and our insignia was the lion and the Cape Buffalo is the only thing on the savannah that really regularly whips a lion's ass. So sometimes you just are outmatched and it has nothing to do with anybody being trans. Sometimes you just get your ass kicked. <laughs> That's why I always tell people, like, sports are, because I'd be having conversations like this with my brother, and, like, one of the things that I, I, one of my foundations when I have these conversations is first understanding that sports, by its nature, are all un, are all inherently unfair. Mm-hmm. inherent unfairness to it, and um, that's just something we're going to have to deal with. And I think the last thing I would say is, like, this is, uh, this is you know, kind of into the conversation, but it's more of, like, a social type experiment is, what I've known, because I do teach martial arts, and um, one of the things that I've realized is when people talk about, you know, how much better are women versus men in sports and everything like that, I don't think that's an answer we're ever going to really um, be able to, uh, to to determine just for the simple fact that I think the control is already muddied within our social um, uprearing of, you know, male and females and how we how society dictates to male and females, because one of the things I do notice in my school when we do competitions, particularly with uh, point sparring, the females train with us. They train with the the male. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I've noticed that usually our females do much better when they go out and compete against other males, because a mm-hmm. lot of them, they don't train, you know, the females train with other females. They don't train with the males. So they, like, we found that females in my school, they have a, a level of aggression and a level of fortitude that you don't typically see. So I've noticed that in other sports, like how we train females in sports mm-hmm. is not the same how we train males in sports. So I would just be interested in seeing if there would be a way to break down this, to truly see, like if we, you know, socially, you know, uh, did with men in sports to a female in sports, how much would that change? I don't know. Just a social thing I was thinking about. I think that's fascinating. I, I think someone else brought up... Okay, so two things. One, didn't Serena used to spar with um, with uh, Pete, Pete Sampras or somebody like that? And I, I think it's worth noting that, like, yeah, women can play. I'm not saying women shouldn't play. Someone else brought up sparring in some other c- capacity in the chat. And I was like, yeah, sparring. Sparring is one thing. That, but that's not competitive i mean that's not the competition that's practice (laughs) so like i you know this isn't about barring trans women from sparring this isn't about you know trans women can't use the same track (laughs) trans women can't get in the boxing ring you know in your free time you can do it trans women can't play doubles tennis like that's not that's not what this is so i completely want to agree with you that sparring is like great and should happen for lots of reasons across all kinds of gender spectrum and identities. And also like, I think that's a very fascinating point about how much training is 
um, causing is, is, is changing the outcomes here. And if there's a world where there was less of a difference between male and men and women in their sports outcomes, but also like, it's worth noting that like, I don't know, man, I, <laughs> I think people have a, a real, I just, I just read Corey, uh, Corey Robbins, um, Clarence Thomas book, uh, spoiler about what Thursday's episode is going to be about. And, um, I've been thinking a lot about Clarence Thomas's uh, racial attitudes and how so many black conservatives, my observation, and this is subjective, is that they kind of get there from this, like, almost embarrassment about we live in a white society where black people are down on a hierarchy and there are all these negative stereotypes about black people and you're confronted with black people station in America every day of your life. And your options are to kind of internalize that, feel bad about yourself to rebel and reject white society and say, I have my own independent self-esteem and the cause of all of these problems is white supremacy and these structures and history and all of these other kinds of things, or to do this kind of black conservative thing where you say, well, I'm good. I'm smart. I'm not the stereotype. So it obviously isn't a problem of black people inherently, but it is um, those other people's fault for these various cultural issues. And da, 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 da. And I think that like that there's this weird way that self-esteem is implicated. And like if you have strong self-esteem, you can kind of face head on. I know I'm not the problem and I can name the problem and I can fight for equality and I can do my thing without feeling like you need to kind of play to white people. You know, I don't want to say play to white people. That's not fair. But to prove that you are the exception to the rule and get a certain degree of uplift from the broader society, from the mainstream society, from white society. And I sometimes feel like as a woman, (laughs) like I don't need... Like I'm confident enough in the values and the unique things that, like, to the extent, extent that I'm willing to be a gender essentialist here, that women bring to the table without needing to, like, pretend that I'm, like, strong as the average man. Uh-huh. You know, like, I don't need that. But I feel like there's like, this weird defensiveness about that that is, like, underpinning some of this discourse. And I think there's that weird defensiveness because there's also on the other side... Because a lot of people, like, I know you brought up this um, point, you know, differences does not mean inferiority. Yes. But not that, which is true. But on the other side, when you hear a particularly male talk about female sports, there is an inferiority complex embedded in that conversation. So I understand, to a certain extent, why there is that defensiveness. Because on the other side, because I've, I've had a conversation, like, if you hear... Um, you know, some of these guys talk about like uh, women's basketball. You, you, you can hear like they're embedded in that in the undertone and the subtext is they think women's basketball is inferior. Mm-hmm. So I do understand, you know, especially if you know you're a female basketball player and you're hearing, you know, people talk about that, particularly sometimes, a lot of times, there's people who have no idea anything about basketball. Um, you you hear that you know you you hear that I can understand that level of defense because both have to be we have to I think the 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 the, the solution is both have to rid itself basketball is basketball if you're watching female play basketball it's still a basketball sport it's still but a- also it can be a different game that's true you know like women like if if the fact of women being shorter and farther from the goddamn hoop 
means I've, that like there's a different focus on a different kind of shot, and it's not it's not as much of an in 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 a game in the key. We're not doing as many. We're not dunking. You know, like if it's just a different game, that doesn't mean it has to be a worse game. You know, women are are more flexible than men and are are able to perform gymnastics at a different at a, at a different level than men. That appears to be more exciting. Most of us prefer to watch female gymnastics than male gymnastics. Now, men can do things in gymnastics that women can't do, like with strength on the rings and uh, like the the horse. What do you call that horse vault thing? Uh, the horse is that what it's called? Pummel horse. Pummel horse. Yeah, thank you. They can do things that women can't do. They can jump higher and do the little trolley trolls in the air and stuff like that. But, like, because aesthetically, we just all like, you know, we like the, the, the two-level bars and we like the floor routine with the Beyonce music and all of that. We like women's gymnastics and we think of women as being better at, at gymnastics. But that's not... Brown, they have a better sense of gravity, so when they jump in the air and they spin, there's a more of an aesthetic, pleasing look to that. Yes, but that doesn't mean that like women are quote unquote better at gymnastics. We've just decided that the way they perform it is what we value as a society, and the way that men perform gymnastics is kind of boring and stale. And like we can make those decisions, and culture can change. And look at how many people watch that WNBA or that sorry that NCAA finals game with a little angel biscuit who got in on that trouble for just being herself. <laughs> Like, that's obviously changing. Cultural norms are changing. So, again, like, different doesn't mean inferior. If a women's basketball game is more of a passing game or more of a strategic game or something else because the physicality is different with relationships to the court, that's fine. I'm not, like, going to cope over it. <laughs> like, I that we also see some I, – I think one of the areas where um, uh, 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 one particular sport – I think tennis is a sport where – I think, at least for me, I value both the uh, like I view both the male side and the women's side on equal playing grounds, and like, mm -hmm. th th it's just as like there's not that same difference mm -hmm. in tennis, just because it, the only difference is you know you have a male versus the male or a female versus a female. But I do. That's one of the reasons why I do really like um, tennis is because I don't think there's the same dichotomy between the male and female version of that particular sport. Yeah, I, I I agree, and that is all like that's just vibes and culture, and it's I don't know. Some of this is like I think science and science plays a role here in trying to come up with terms that make it possible for trans women to compete somewhere because you know trans women should be able to compete somewhere. And so I've heard people I've seen the people in the chat say, "Well, give them their own leagues." Um, this analogy is a little problematic, but like a, like the Special Olympics or something else. You know, I don't know that there's enough people to really fill that out in a way that's really competitive, but maybe. But also maybe there's a way to just come up with metrics that make it genuinely fair for trans women to compete with cis women. Yeah, yeah that's one way to do it. And, but I think to me, at least for me, when this having this conversation, the one thing that I'm probably the most solid on is I would want to keep local state government rules and laws being made out of this. As far away as possible. Yeah. What, what does somebody say? Like the smallest government is the family and Republicans like small government. So just do what you want in your own house and leave everybody else alone. Yeah. Because I fear that we allow this to happen and to make these rules, you know, they can then jump to, like you said, bending, you know, drag queens and dressing in drag and all that other stuff, which, you know, that would be my biggest concern. 
and then, you know, outlawing, you know, gender affirming care and everything. like. But this has been great. Thank you for, you know, I've been taking up a little too much time. So I'm going to hang up now. No, that's okay, Eric. I've been enjoying you. Keep the faith. Here's what I think. There are a hell of a lot of people still in the queue. I know this is a spicy subject. I invite all of you to come back on Thursday and I'll hold space for both the continuation of this conversation and the um, Thursday's topic. And uh, I will make sure that I have more time. I will get my exercise in so I'm not rushing off um, at the end of the night and we can do another one of our typical kind of a three or four hour sessions the way that we used to do. I may even try to do a call in earlier in the week, maybe as a live stream where we can continue this conversation. Um, we'll see what I have time for because a girl also really has got to get her hair braided and there's some other things happening this week. Anyway, you guys have been great. Uh, I think this has been a really rich and useful conversation. Um, please do share it all around uh, and keep the faith. I'll see you next week. Speakers and bought us stands. I wish I had a million pounds. I wish I had a million dollars. I wish I had a million problems. That way I couldn't pinpoint all the million outcomes. I wish I found a genie. I wish them girls gave me them sugar like me, man. I wish I was a comedian. Late night sitcom syndicated on TV land. I wish this well had water in it. These kids are spending all my pennies. Focused on my wealth. You can help me wish, but I would rather wish to help us like this life. I wish, I wish, every time we drive and it feels just like this. I wish, I wish, every time we do it, it feels just like this. I wish, I wish, every time we love and it feels just like this. It feels just like this. It feels I wish I had a time machine. Wish I had a better riding speed. Wish that I could speak to giants after climbing up a green stalk that grew from my life to be. I wish that I could spread my wings. I wish that I had seven limbs. That way I'd hold on to everything and laugh when I hear people wishing for the better things. I wish I spoke fluent Spanish. Dímelo, dímelo. At least I kind of understand it.